Hello and welcome to the Weekly Stuff Podcast with Jonathan Lack and Sean Chapman. We are here to talk about stuff this week on the show. Just a little kind of catch-up episode for you guys while we're in between some things. We've got some big stuff going on that we'll tell you about, but we are just doing kind of a shorter episode today. Uh, I'm going to be talking about Fire Emblem Three Houses because it's a game everyone's talking about. It's doing very well, and I... It's a great game that I have very complicated thoughts on. Interesting. So we will talk about that later in the show. We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about, Sean. Yeah. And uh, it'll just be a little kind of shoot the shit episode. Yeah, so this is not going to be a like three-hour extravaganza Uh podcast. Yeah, this will be a quick catch-up because we don't want to miss two weeks in a row. Exactly. And we're recording some other stuff today. This is my uh, last week I'm here in Colorado, so... I am traveling in the next couple of days. Sean is starting a new job in the next couple yes. of days, which was unexpected. Yeah. And so that's fun. Um, but it just means that we're kind of scrambling here. Don't worry. I don't think there will be an interruption in the schedule of the podcast from here on out. But I would encourage you, if you're not listening to Weekly Suit Gundam, where we talk about Gundam stuff, we've got six of those out now. There's yep. another one coming next week. That might replace next week's main episode. It might not. We'll see. It kind of depends on whether or not stuff comes up. Um, but just, you know, if you want more of us talking, get into Gundam. Because we're doing that a lot. Yes, and it's a great fun time. Yes. It's, it, is, it is perfect. So with that, let's do a little bit of housekeeping, Sean. Yeah. Because Weekly Suit Gundam, episode 6 came out last week because we didn't have a main episode last week. I just moved up the release of Weekly Weekly Suit Gundam 6, so that was... Yeah, because we pre-recorded a bunch of those, so we were pretty ahead of it. Yes, and Weekly Suit Gundam 6 was the end of sort of our main initial run of the series. Like, if you think, we don't have higher-ups, we didn't get a series order, but our internal series order was always 6 episodes to do 5 on the main series and then a 6 that's a big wrap. Up. That big wrap-up is my favorite we've done so far. Yeah, we, we talked about the three compilation movies, which um, I think we both enjoyed a lot more than we expected. And Absolutely. Was lot, there was a lot more to talk about with those. Um, and then a bunch of fun top ten lists and, and wrapping up the show. Um, I think... Th- Maybe the hardest I've ever laughed on this podcast is when we did our top 10 Gundam names lists. Yes. Because Gundam has some really good fucking names in it. It absolutely does. It is one of the great joys of Mobile Suit Gundam. It evens out a lot of the great sorrows of Mobile Suit Gundam because that show or that franchise can be very sad at times. But yeah, so we've got six episodes of that out. Uh, episode seven will be out uh, it, next week or later because we uh, I just finished watching Zeta Gundam, which I binged really fast. Yeah. And I was impressed that you were so so quickly ready to do the podcast for Zeta. I know. So we're going to do an episode on that. So we've got a lot more of that coming. And I should also say, Weekly Suit Gundam is also now a standalone podcast. It has come out on... It is not up as of this recording yet on Apple Podcasts because those have a slightly longer review window. Um which is kind of funny. I'm like, I have not submitted a podcast to Apple Podcasts in a long time mm-hmm. because we've just been rolling with this one forever. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, so they take a couple days to review it, so that's still going through. But it's on a bunch of services, including Spotify. You can listen to Weekly Suit Gundam. And it is just its own standalone thing. So it doesn't have all the other stuff. Um, main podcast listeners, that might not matter to you, but I just... I think our Gundam podcast is, is, I'm really proud of it. I think it's really good. And it's also fairly standalone. So I thought if we could put it out there as its own thing, maybe more people would find the show. Yep. So it's also up on YouTube. So Weekly Suit Gundam is kind of going everywhere. And I'm not taking it out of the main podcast feed, but just as we do episodes, if you, if you know a friend who just really loves mecha anime and you're like, you listen to our nerdy shit. You might be like, hey, you should subscribe to Weekly Suit Gundam. Yeah. And they might be less intimidated because there's six episodes of that and not 300 plus. Yeah, and, and every episode we'll be talking about something like specific. It's yes. not whatever is going on in the yeah. week like for this show. So that's uh, its own standalone thing now. And then the Weekly Stuff podcast, I've been uh, adding to some more services in the last couple weeks. The Weekly Stuff podcast is also now on Spotify. So if you would like to listen to podcasts there, I do not use Spotify myself. I know nothing about Spotify. Yeah, me too. Uh, I use Apple Music when I stream stuff. But I know a lot of people who use Spotify, obviously, because it's very popular. And they have been over the last year or two adding podcasts into their repertoire. At the beginning, they were just like inviting famous podcasters. 
And then finally, I think a few weeks ago, they opened it up to us plebs. To, to, to almost famous podcasters yes. like us. Yeah, on the verge. On the verge. We're, we're about to break open this, into the world. Exactly. That Gundam Top 10 Character Names list is going to do it. It's, it is very funny. It yes. is very good. Um, so it is on Spotify now. You can stream all. Sean, we have... This is episode 297 that we're recording right now. Oh my god. It's so close to 300. But, of course, we've done a bunch of bonuses and stuff. There are 317 installments out in the feed. So, Spotify just got a shit ton of us talking. There we go. So, lots for you to stream there. And I should say, we have a good number of uh, reviews on iTunes, which is awesome. Thank you, guys. But we don't have any on Spotify or Google Play or some of those other podcasting services. Stitcher, we're also on Stitcher now. Uh, so, you know, if you like the show, go leave us a review on Spotify yeah. or Google Play or Stitcher because that'll help us in the rankings, help more people discover the show. And, you know, just it'll make us feel good. Unless it's a bad review. Hey, you know, we want honest opinions. Yes. Yeah. And if it's a funny bad review, that's fine. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So there you go. That's our housekeeping for now. And let's get on to just sort of general stuff. Sean, what have you been up to? Well, the, the, the main thing I've been up to in the past couple of days, as you mentioned earlier, um, I very, very suddenly got into a teaching job at the same school I student taught at. By very suddenly, I mean we are recording this on Sunday. Um, on Thursday, I got a text message from a teacher I know at that school that said they, they got a very sudden opening because one of their teachers transferred to another school in the district. And we're like, did you find a job yet? And I said, no, because it's hard to find jobs, English teacher jobs in Colorado right now. And so then they're like, well, the, the semester starts, the first day with students starts on Wednesday. Your plan, planning days start on Monday. Um, so Monday, Tuesday are planning days and Tuesday is a freshman orientation day also. And then Wednesday the is the first day of classes. So it's like you have like a weekend to, 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 to mentally prepare for the onslaught. So, so that's going to mean that kind of like with student teaching, um, like the, the podcast will probably be a little bit haphazard in the next couple of weeks while I try to get settled on that. So like there's going to be a time crunch for me. So do not be surprised if we miss a couple of weeks here and there uh, in the near future. Yeah, you got to settle into things. Yes. I got to settle into things. I'm obviously going back to Iowa and then my semester is starting. Um, I, I at least know the lay of the land, so I will not be as stressed. Yes. <laughs> but yes. So what this meant uh, for this show is that I had a pretty developed outline that Sean was like, all oh, stuff's going on. I'm like, okay. And I took my outline machete and I'm like, let's cut this thing up. Yeah, let's, let's, let's make a svelte podcast because we're doing two of these. We're also going to yes. do our Zeta one. Uh, so anyway, yeah, but congrats. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, round of applause for Sean. For, round of applause for getting a job and for uh, agreeing to do this stupid podcast with me today uh, when you are starting a new job it, tomorrow. Yes, well, it, it needed to be done. Yeah. So, so that's, my piece, that's my piece of housekeeping. Um, other stuff I've been doing. What's your lesson plan for Wednesday? <laughs> I mean, that's easy. That's just fucking syllabus. I already have basically a syllabus done because I just took the old teacher's syllabus and was like, I'm just going to retype a couple of these and then I'm yeah. good. I'm not going to write a new syllabus. Fuck that. I was just, Wednesday is syllabus day. That's just, easy. Just show the movies for the first two weeks. You know, I could, I could swing it. Yeah. You know, they're all, you know, I'm doing ninth graders and tenth graders, so they're all very young. I can just throw fucking YouTube on there and turn them all into like alt-right people or something, whatever YouTube does these days. Uh, I was going to recommend, because I'm looking at your Persona shelf, just bring in a PS2 and your copy of Persona 3 and just plug it into the smart board and be like, all right, kids, you're going to watch me play Persona 3. We're going to talk about psychoanalysis. That's where we're going. Persona 3. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, anything else going on that you wanted to talk about today? Um... Here's one thing of I did I sort of jumped ahead of the curve because we haven't talked about since we started doing Gundam um, that one of the things that initiated our idea of doing Weekly Suit Gundam was that Eva Neon Genesis Evangelion was getting put on Netflix yeah um, and every podcast in the world saw that and was like well then let's do an Evangelion rewatch timed with the release of Evangelion on Netflix we being the smart podcasters we are like well if, we'll do that eventually instead let's do Gundam. Um, so I had had in the back of my mind for a while that I wanted to rewatch it. And specifically, it was that I had literally about a dozen podcasts on my phone from all, like almost every podcast I listened to or podcasts affiliated with podcasts I listened to did either watch throughs for the first time or rewatches. And I was like, 
Well, we'll get to Eve eventually. I should rewatch it now because I want to rewatch it before I listen to these podcasts. And I've got about two days of podcasts to listen to. Like 48 hours or something ridiculous. So I did, I went ahead and rewatched Eva for the first time since like 2011. And then watched End of Evangelion for the first time because I had never gotten around to, which is the movie that they made that basically replaces the last two episodes of the show. And I have very complicated feelings on Neon Genesis Evangelion revisiting it, which I think is a very common sentiment. Um, so I, I just, I, I had to, I had to push through and say, fuck, I just need to watch the show so I can listen to some of these podcasts. I'm listening to the Waypoint Radio ones right now. I'm near the end of that series. So people who, I know some of our listeners also like Waypoint. If you're curious about my thoughts on Eva, I'm pretty much in lockstep with a lot of their feelings by the time they got to the end of their rewatch. What is your overall reaction to Eva if... I know yeah. it's hard to get Yeah, it. so my overall is that I think it is a show that has really fantastic direction. Like, Hideaki Yano is a brilliant director. Like, if you've seen Shin Gojira, you'd know that, at least, like, in terms of, like, visual visuals and setting tone and stuff like that. I think that Eva is, however, a very, very clumsy show um, at the best of times in terms of dealing with a lot of its themes. I think it's got a lot of issues with its um, characters, like, particularly the female characters in the show. And by the time you get to the last stretch where they're like really kind of don't know what to do with their story. They lean on some really, I think rough, rough ideas and kind of just rip a bunch of pages out of like Freud psychoanalytics without updating or complicating it at all. Which if you are someone who has read like Freud, you know, you need to update and complicate his ideas. Cause if you just rip Freud psychoanalytics like straight out, you are going to have a lot of issues um, with a lot of your stuff in a more modern story. And that's kind of, I think Eva ends up falling on some really, really bad instincts. And by the time it gets to the end, it just does not work for me at all. Yeah. I I have never seen it. I am I want to because I'm so fascinated by what the fuck it is. Yeah, I'd be very curious, um, like, your take on some of the stuff in Eva. Yeah, I... I have to say, if I'm going to venture out of Mobile Suit Gundam anytime soon to watch a mecha show, it's probably going to be Armored Trooper Vodums because it's got the same mech designer as the original Gundam. Yeah. And I saw some pictures of the Vodums designs and I'm like, I need to watch that show. Yeah, they're very good. And also you gave a very compelling <laughs> podcast segment on it. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll get to Eva eventually. Just, you know, I've got a lot of Gundam to go. Yeah. And, and honestly, I think one of the reasons why I was so less impressed by Eva this time around is because the last time I watched it was well before I had seen any Gundam. Like it was before I had gotten like way more into anime because it was before I, it was like right around the time I started taking Japanese for the first time. So like that, which I think is the experience of a lot of people watching Neon Genesis Evangelion was like, Oh, this seems really revolutionary. And there are things about it that are very unique um, for sure. But a lot of the things that people give it credit for are if you watch something like Mobile Suit Gundam or like Ultraman or a lot of... Like one I want to get around to is a show called Space Runaway Edeon, which is a Tomino show that he made shortly after Mobile Suit Gundam. It was between Gundam and Zeta Gundam. Um, that people say like a lot of the stuff in EVA pulls from stuff from Edeon. Um, EVA also pulls a lot of stuff from Devilman, particularly End of Evangelion. Um, by which I mean like the manga Devilman. Um, End of Evangelion kind of rips off a lot of stuff from that as well. And so when you when you kind of venture outside and you see some more of its influences, I think a lot of the cracks in Neon Genesis Evangelion start showing a lot more clearly. Yeah, be suspicious of anyone who says, like, this anime was super revolutionary and it's from 1995. Yeah. Because anime is older than 1995. Yes. And, and I'm not saying any of that to put down Evangelion, because it also doesn't have to be revolutionary to be good. But, like... Yeah, I've I've always been a little suspicious of that narrative because I'm just like, they, they had giant robots before 95, and I'm pretty sure someone did something interesting with them before then. Yeah, there's there's definitely, like, there are, I mean, as is the case with almost every single mech show I've watched that is, like, post-Mobile Suit Gundam, um, there are large chunks of character ideas and themes and, like, moments that they just rip straight from Mobile Suit Gundam and, like, let's just do... Put they take this character out, change them up a little bit, and just plop them into our show because it turned out that Lala Soon in Mobile Suit Gundam sure is a good character. That's a good story beat. Let's just do that. Yes. And, uh, again, I've not seen Ava, but I do have to say one of the best moments on the internet this last week was uh, a Twitter account called AVX Studios posted an edit where it's K 
it's a King of the Hill theme song done in the style of the Evangelion theme song with the Ava theme, and it is the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. I don't even watch King of the Hill. It's just it's got the song, it's got the edits, it's got the weird text inserts. It is so goddamn perfect. Please look that up. It's so fucking good. And I, yeah, and that my last thought on Eva is that Cruel Angel's thesis, the theme for Evangelion, is great and is better than the show that it comes from. Hot take from Sean Chapman. Like, the, the Cruel Angel's thesis is iconic and, like, everyone knows it for a reason because it's fucking amazing. Nice. Great song. All right. Uh, should I talk some Fire Emblem? Yes. I yeah. feel like this is the main reason why we're doing this podcast is because... You, you've been playing a lot of Fire Emblem Three Houses, as I understand it, John. Yeah, my last couple weeks have basically been, Sean... So I was house-sitting here in Colorado for my parents. They just got back a couple days ago, and I'm still hanging around a little bit before I go back to Iowa. And so I was house-sitting, so I was hanging out with my dogs. I was playing a lot of Fire Emblem, and I was watching a shit ton of Gundam. And I've been reading a shit ton of Gundam. Basically, uh-huh. it's been, I watch Gundam, I read various Gundam mangas, then I play Fire Emblem... Then I, like, go on a walk with my dogs. Then we restart the cycle. Yes. Eat and sleep somewhere in there. Yeah, you, gotta, you distribute that as necessary, but it's mostly the Gundam and the Fire Emblem and the dogs. Yes, and, you know, it's time of year to do it. Um, because if I were doing this, you know, two weeks from now, it would be irresponsible. Yes. Right now, who cares? So I've been playing a lot of Fire Emblem. I have played about 70 hours of Three Houses. Um, the way Three Houses is set up, of course, is there are the three main... Houses that you can choose from, the Black Eagles, the Blue Lions, and the Golden Deer. And then, one thing that is not advertised, but is important to know, is that the Black Eagles house, which is the one I chose, has two roots. Okay. So it is really four roots in the game, not three. Uh, Because the two Black Eagles ones are very different. Um, It just, instead of the division being at the very beginning of the game, it's near the halfway point. So it's like the back half of Black Eagles has two roots. So I played Black Eagles... All the way through, picked a route, finished that, and then I backed up to my save at the choice point, and I am almost done with the other Black Eagles route, and when I'm done with that, I think is when I'm going to put Three Houses back on the shelf and go back to Dragon Quest or something else, um, and play other things. So, I've played a lot of Three Houses, and part of why I keep playing it is that I really like it, It's, it's a good game, it's Fire Emblem, it's got a lot of great stuff in it, I love the characters, I love the story, I love the art, I love the music, all these things, it's addictive... Part of why I keep playing it as much as I have is I'm also trying to figure out how I feel about it. Okay. Because this is... I'm having a complicated reaction to this game. Because it is... It's objectively a very good game. It's incredibly well made. It's it's addictive to play. It's got... If you just list all the things this game does better than any other Fire Emblem game, it's a long list. You know, I think it has the best storytelling of any Fire Emblem game. It's got the best writing. I think it's got the best cast of characters. Especially because I've only seen like a third of the cast up close. Because I haven't played the other two houses. I don't Mm -hmm. know those characters very well. But I know a lot of people on Twitter who have. And they're like, I love these characters. So they must be great as well. But I, the Black, my Black Eagles characters I fucking love. Um, I think it's got not the best soundtrack. In fact, I think it probably needs a little more music. because, Which is, I hate complaining about that. Because this game does have a huge soundtrack. But... It does not do the Fire Emblem Fates thing of, like, they made three games worth of soundtracks. Right. They, it's, it's one big game worth of soundtrack. I think at some points it could use a little more. But it's phenomenal, phenomenal music. It's incredibly well produced. So, like, it is fully ass, fully voice acted. There's nothing in this game that is not voice acted. And it is, I'm playing in English. I played a little bit in Japanese, but just for ease of use. Because sometimes they talk for a while and I like to look at other things while I'm listening to them. Right. Uh, I'm playing in English and the English dub is... I don't even know if you would call this an English dub because it's a global worldwide release, you know? So uh-huh. it's just the English cast is very good. It's pretty much all Persona people. Um, so, you know, all of that is great. The The battles, it's, it's not the hardest Fire Emblem game. And there are points where I think it could push a little harder. But the second half of both routes I've played... Uh, Some of the combat scenarios they invent are crazy and sadistic and definitely tickle my Fire Emblem itch. So that's all very good. And yet, all these great things the game does. 70 hours in, I think the game is less than the sum of its parts. Okay. Not in the way Fire Emblem Fates was, where I've talked about this a lot, that I think Fates, which was like a trilogy of games, the sprawl of that, I think... I would quote Bilbo Baggins, it's like butter spread over too much bread, Mm -hmm. you know? 
Three Houses is not that much where, like... Like, Fates has full-on, I think, the one of the two main campaigns is, is a very mediocre Fire Emblem game. That's Birthright. And then Conquest is a great Fire Emblem game with a very mediocre story in a lot of ways. So, it's all a little thin. Three Houses doesn't feel that thin. There's so much... Even now, 70 hours in, there's some stuff I'm tired of. There will be moments where I'm, like, fully pumped up and I'm like, I'm so into this. I'm so loving this story and characters. But I do think it's less than the sum of its parts. And I think I, I, I did a little Twitter thread about this last night because I was just, I had to figure out how to put this thought to words because I mm-hmm. finally, I think, realized what it is. Because I had a very tough battle last night. There is a recurring antagonist in Fire Emblem called the Death Knight. Okay, who yeah. is this big dude on horseback? His horse is fully armored, he's fully armored, and his voice is like through some kind of modulator. Very cool. I like the Death Knight. But he is, every time you meet him, he is basically impossible to beat like especially in the early encounters you don't have to beat him to clear the map and if you go to try to beat him you will die like that's basically how it's set up and then in the later stages of the game you do have to beat him but they haven't made him easier it's just like have you gotten good enough to beat this impossible enemy and i got there was this map where you have to beat the death knight and one other enemy to beat the map these two commanders and then there's a ton of other shit on the map it's an incredibly hard fire on the map but I got to the end of it where I just I had every enemy dead except the death knight and he's over in his little fortress and I have to go kill the death knight and so everyone's alive and we all move in like and we're all like I because one of the things you can do in Fire Emblem is you can click on a character and it will show you all the spaces they can move to mm-hmm. which is really important on harder difficulties when you want to know like I don't want anyone in that vicinity so I had this big red circle going and everyone was like around the circle like gearing up like okay we're gonna go in we're gonna go in and then I'm like all right let's figure this out how many people do I have to throw at this guy before we can kill him and who do I sacrifice? Because someone's going to die. There's, mm-hmm. I cannot figure out a way to kill him without letting people die. So I finally get through it. But two of my units, Catherine, who is really cool. I really loved Catherine. I really, really wanted to get to the end of the game with Catherine alive. Because she has Thunderbrand, which is a really cool sword. Sounds cool. And then there's Caspar, who I love as a character, but he is so fucking worthless as a unit. I have tried so many things with Caspar, and I just... He died in my other playthrough with, I should say, my, my first time through the Black Eagles route, the other route. I ended that with, like, three characters left alive. It was like the end of Zeta Gundam. They were all fucking dead. Um, it does that... You know, Fire Emblem games always do the scroll of, like, where they went afterwards? Yes. Most of them went to the grave. <laughs> That's how that game ended for me. But this time I had more alive. But Caspar, both roots. I'm sorry, Caspar. You are a horrible, horrible unit to play with, and there's no way to keep you alive. So you should have been better. Um, but anyway, Caspar and Catherine died, but I beat the Death Knight. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, do I reload? Because I didn't really care about Caspar, although I did kind of want to see, because this was my second time through, I wanted him to live. I wanted to see yeah. what happened. Because that's the cool thing, is that Fire Emblem Three Houses, the first half, does the thing a lot of recent Fire Emblem games do that I don't like, where a lot of characters are too essential to the story, so when they die, they're just like, I can't fight anymore, but they're still involved in everything. Yeah. The first half of Three Houses does that, and then the second half, other than like two or three really central characters you need to have... Everyone can die, and in cutscenes, it's really conspicuous because that person will just disappear, and there's a space where characters are standing. Great. So you really have to, like, think about it. Um, So anyway, I was like, do I want to move forward without Catherine? I don't give a shit about Caspar. And I'm just like, okay, I'm just... That was really hard. I don't know how else I would have approached that fight. And then I hit another realization, which is that I was so invested... In that fight, and I was so sad about Catherine and Caspar falling, and that fight with the Death Knight felt so epic, and my head cannon around it of like people, you know, like in my head, like Catherine ran in front of me, the protagonist, to like lay the blow and and like get him down far enough that I could step in and win, but I was like sad, like holding her dead body. Right. None of that's in the story, but like you construct it while playing, and I'm like, as much as I like Catherine and Caspar. Nothing else going on in that game is going to be a better moment with those characters than what I created for myself on the battlefield there in the moment. And that, I think, hit for me a fundamental realization about Three Houses and about some elements of modern Fire Emblem design that annoy me a little bit. Which is that no matter well how well they construct the larger narrative framework, the writing, the cutscenes, the character, the support convos, the daily life stuff, all of which Three Houses does better than any other Fire Emblem, the stories they tell off the battlefield just are never going to be 
as gripping and as personal as the ones you, the player, construct in your minds during combat making those tough decisions. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that, you know, the, the combat in Fire Emblem, I have played... I don't know how many Fire Emblem games now. I've played both GBAs. I've played all three 3DSs. Fates is three 3DSs, so we'll go seven there. Right. And then three houses. So it's at least eight I've played. So I've played hundreds of hours of the fundamental, you know, tactical combat stuff, which has changed a little bit over the years. And three houses make some additions and subtractions, but it's fundamentally the same thing. And that never gets any less compelling to me. And the moments when you are up against the wall, you had a strategy, it failed, you are improvising, and it might just require someone dying. Those are so dynamic and compelling and something no other game genre does. That's a tactical RPG thing, you know? You don't get that in Persona. As much as we love Persona, there's not a moment where you're like, Morgana... Go tank over there and you might die and I'll never see you again. Yeah. That would be really hard. But Fire Emblem has those. And that is a renewable energy resource for a game. Because it's all in your head. Mm-hmm. It's all player motivated. It's a renewable thing. The basic like storytelling stuff in Fire Emblem where you are watching all the support conversations. And you are wandering around Garrig Mach and you're talking to people and you're getting their motivation up and you're giving them gifts and you're fishing to get your professor rating up and you're doing some planting with some seeds so you can get some flowers to get their motivation up and then you get blah, 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 blah. That gets old. And I'm not saying it's bad because it gets old. Most game mechanics, if you play them long enough, get old. Yeah. But the problem is Fire Emblem Three Houses is a game definitely built to be played for many dozens of hours because it's got... Four different fucking routes that are very different. And it's got so much production thrown into it. But the further you go into the game, the quicker all that other stuff gets old to me. And the more I'm just longing for the battlefields, which in many ways get better and better because you're getting later in the game and they're getting harder. And so I think I talked about last time on the podcast how Fire Emblem Three Houses... It's really interesting that it's kind of this reinvention of the series and they added all this stuff. And if you don't remember, the big thing is that they've added a much more built-out social component where between battles... It's not even between battles. It's the other full half of the game. If you are at Garrick Mach Monastery, it's sort of like Tokyo in Persona or something. You're, You're running around, you're talking to people, you're initiating all these events and doing training and teaching and all this stuff. They've added all of that. And it at first it made it feel kind of like, oh, this is a new brand of Fire Emblem. I think I've soured on a lot of that, not because it's bad, but because it is very repetitive. It's shallow from a gameplay standpoint because there's no sense of the strategy you get in the daily life component of like Persona. Like Persona 5, we talked about this a lot in our 10-hour Persona podcast. (laughs) Our magnum opus. Yes. The social life segment of that is, it's a strategy game. Yes. No. Like, and it is, especially once you start getting near the end and you realize you're running out of time, it gets very stressful if you want to maximize your social links and do everything you want to do because you are extremely limited in time. Yeah. So it is its own compelling gameplay thing that I also think is kind of a renewable energy resource because yeah. it, they can make, they, they put the squeeze on you. you exactly, know? yes. Three Houses doesn't do that. And in fact, the second half of the game is you are killing time Interesting. in Garrick Mach. Because your one house, you've taken over Garrick Mach, it's two-thirds empty. All those okay. other characters are gone. And this is another big problem I have. So I'm going to spoil a little bit about Three Houses. I can't imagine anyone playing the game doesn't know this because it's practically on the box. You, I'm sure, know this. Yeah. There's a time jump in Three Houses. Mm -hmm. Halfway point of the game, a big event happens. I'm not describing that big event. But there's a cataclysm of sorts. And you jump ahead five years. And everyone gets five years older. And a lot of things have changed. And one of my big... This is a definite complaint with Three Houses. Is that the game does not account for that change nearly enough. To me, the second half of Three Houses should have... I think a great version of Three Houses would have been... The first half is the first half. And you have all that social stuff and it's fine. And then you never go back to Garrick Mach. You see, because this is interesting because I knew about the time jump. Um, and obviously, and like I knew... That when that time jump happens, that is that must be when the sort of everything breaks down between the yeah. three houses and like the sort of peace what between them breaks down and, and that's where they yeah. try to put the screws on you. But I didn't know any of the other details. In my head, I thought that's what it was. 
in my head, I thought it was the first half of the game is fun, persona style, fun time, social link stuff. And then the second half of the game is like, all that shit is gone and it's like, and it just goes super hard on the combat stuff. Yeah, because I thought what it was going to be was it would become a traditional Fire Emblem game where you're out on the road. Yeah, exactly. And you don't have a home base. And I think that would have been great to really shake you out of your comfort zone. And maybe they could have kept some of the mechanics around, like some of the like training mechanics. Because you could work like in your campsite with them or yeah. something. But like get you out of Garrick. No, you go back to Garrick Mock. They've altered the animations there or the, 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 the environment a little. So like the cathedral has a bunch of debris in it. And it's, it's like dome is open to the sky because there was a battle there. And they've changed the color palette a little bit. But every activity you could do in Garrick Mock in the first half, you can do in the second half. You can garden. You can fish. You can do tea parties. You can do your cooking. Even when a lot of that does not make sense, mm-hmm. that that would be going on or that there would be the people to do it. It's all there. There are fewer people to go talk to, but you can still go talk to them and you can do your advanced training with them and you can do your gift giving and you do all of your motivation. None of that side of the game changes whatsoever and in fact becomes vastly more shallow because there's so many fewer people. And really all you're doing at this point is trying to get people's motivation up enough so that during instruction weeks you can get their skills up enough so you can eventually, hopefully, uh, use one of your seals to advance them to a new class, which at this point I realize that's just adding a bunch of steps in something you did in other Fire Emblem games by leveling up units. Yeah, yeah, because in the Fire Emblem games I played, which are the two GBA ones, yeah, what you did is I think you would, sometimes you could get items that would sort of help you change class stuff and like kind of go down paths, but it was very much like, okay, your character hit level 20 or whatever it was, and then now you can choose to move them through like an assassin or whatever, like an Mm -hmm. upgraded version of that class was. And it was, particularly in the first GBA Fire Emblem, which was my favorite of the two, where you had you could not do any grinding or anything. It was just here's chapter one, you do the fight. Here's chapter two, you do the fight. And there's like yeah. a story around it, but you can't. Here's there's no like endless dungeon or whatever you can just go to um, to level up. It was like very. It was kind of how is that that persona thing of like nope. Like I have to. I only have so much I can do with these characters in the whole game. There's only so much experience they can ever get, and so those choices of who you prioritize to level up and what classes they get were like really, really huge choices that were like immediate in the gameplay. Yes. And Fire Emblem has basically been that with character classes forever, Mm -hmm. which is, it's usually when you hit level 10, I think it is, you can use a seal to go up. You usually want to wait until level 20 because that's max level and then you get better stats. Yeah, it's it's like you... Ash not evolving his Pikachu because he wants the agility to be higher or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So you wait until level 20, you pick a seal, and then you can pick a class and go up. Three Houses does have this nice thing where basically any unit can become anything if you train them right. And that's cool. And I think there are some people who are very into that and more power to them. It is a cool part of the game, and I've done it with a couple units, and I like that. But the trade-off of, like... It becomes this giant, grindy thing that has nothing really to do with you out doing the combat that replaces what was a very simple but rewarding mechanic in the others. It's just busy work at a certain point, and it kind of annoys me. It doesn't annoy me in the first half because you are a teacher and you've got your class, and it's like very well narrativized. But at a certain point, you're not a teacher in the second half of the game. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. They're all adults. They're calling you professor because you can name your character and they can't put a name in there. Right. But, like, it doesn't make sense. It's just weird. And so the second half becomes really grindy on that side. Now, to be fair to the game, they've thought of that. You can skip through all of this. You can, on the first day of the month, you can just say skip Skip to the mission date and it will auto-do everything in there for you and just kind of evenly distribute stuff through units and it'll go through the month for you. But when it's all there, I also kind of feel obliged to go see some of it because sometimes characters have interesting things to say in the world or I'm I'm not going to get the best stat stat boost if I do it that way because it's, it's doing it automatically and manual is always going to be preferable. So... It really takes all the good stuff in this game and spreads it out. And even and that's stuff where I have specific mechanical issues where I think the game's second half is just that side of it is is grindy and, and boring. It's, it's just boring and it feels like busy work. There's stuff I do like that there's just too much of. Like the support conversations. Mm-hmm. Just to back up, support conversations are as the there's little hearts that pop up above your units in battle when they fight nearby. And then if you get enough of those, you get support links between them and you get support conversations. The best comparison is social links in Persona. Yeah. 
But social links in Persona, there's like how many social links in a Persona game? Twenty ish. Um, do you mean of like individual characters? You yeah, can individual make characters. With? Um, yeah, it's usually it's less than that. It's, it's less usually than like that, yeah. fifteen to eighteen, and like yeah, and how probably many? probably fewer. Also, if you like take out the ones that are just like this is tied to main story yeah. progress, which T- is always three or four. Take out the automatics, and let's yeah. say twelve or thirteen. Yeah. Each of those has 10 events. So that's maybe 120 to a... Up to absolute max 200 events. Yes, yeah. It's definitely less than 200. Final of the Three Houses, you start with at least nine main characters. All of whom can have at least three support conversations with each other. Okay. So each character can have 27 support conversations times nine. But it's not just nine because you're going to get more. Add that all up. You're talking about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these things. Yeah, because as you get another character, your like the number of support conversations like increases exponentially. It does, game. yes. And so sometimes I'll look at my support board where I'm like, I've got all these things I can go do, and wh- but they're and that's the other thing is they're just conversations. Persona social links are also a game mechanic where you have to figure out the right responses and like all this stuff, and and it's very strategic, right? Yeah. In this, it's just, it's a reward for having them fight together, and you get a little movie. And you watch the little movie, but there's a lot of those little fucking movies. And most of them are really good. I'm amazed that given how many support conversations there are, that so few of them are inane bullshit. Because some of them are inane bullshit, but it's relatively few of them. Most of them are actually really good. But I'm sorry, when they're all fully voiced, I'm not going to sit there and watch two hours of support conversations, which is what it would be if I did not, like, scrub through the text. Because, like, I'm sorry, I can read faster than you can talk. Skip, 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 skip. Yeah. I'm getting it all. And this is another thing I have to say. Not all games should be fully voiced. Uh-huh. Not, there's a reason why some games are not fully voiced, and it's not just because of the budget. It's because... If you have that much dialogue, I'm not, I cannot physically listen to people speak all of it. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's the inane bullshit. I don't need it. It's a waste of time. I wish I, there was a setting where I could turn on something where there was no voices in the support conversations. Or if there were, it was just the past Fire Emblem things where they go like, hi, and then it's a line of text. Right. You know? Yeah. Because it's a lot. And so even though I like the support conversations, sometimes I look at the wall of convos and I'm like, there's 30 of these for me to watch right now. Which ones am I skipping and which ones am I watching and which ones am I watching but skipping through the voices? And it's just, it's, it's just too much. And it dilutes all the good stuff in this game where when I get back on the battlefield and I have a hard fight, I remember all of the good stuff. And then it will go back into a cutscene and I'll be like, oh, I love these characters and I'm so invested in this story and it's so good. And oh, that was a really cool narrative turn. I can't wait to see what happens next. After another month in Garrick Mock running around doing inane bullshit, mm-hmm. it's so weird because it's all this stuff that starts really exciting in this game, but it just kind of grinds to a halt by the end. And, you know, again, you can skip it. It's not a game killer. I'm obviously still enjoying it. I don't want to, I, I've played 70 hours. Right. I'm not going to be one of those stupid people who says, I played this game for 70 hours and I didn't like a minute of it. That doesn't exist. I'm sorry. Yeah. If you played a game for 70 hours, you liked it. <laughs> God yeah, you it. must have. Yes. You know, like, I played Watch Dogs for 40 hours. I'm not going to lie and say I got nothing out of Watch Dogs. I should have stopped earlier. But I'm not going to say that was, like, the worst game I've ever played. Because the worst game I've ever played, I didn't play that long. Yeah. You know? So, that's my... I'm not comparing Fire Emblem to Watch Dogs, by the way. <laughs> this is so much better than that. But, yeah, that's kind of where I am. And I think Three Houses, in the end, is not a radical reinvention of the series it's a radical expansion and all that extra stuff gets old after 60 hours and it distracts from a core that while it's never really changed is still really captivating after all this time and what i want after three houses is i for their next game i desperately want a modern version of what they did on the gba Mm mm-hmm and I want it with this level of production. Like with the cool 3D graphics where the characters can be really expressive. Because the, the art in this game is so beautiful. And the character designs are so good. And you can finally kind of do the mix of character portraits, hand-drawn like anime, and 3D models. And it's kind of like Persona 5. You put those together, you get a lot more expressions from those really cool character designs. I want all of that. I wouldn't even mind if you had like... A little explorable environment here and there for me to go talk to people. I wouldn't mind if there were some support conversations. But what I want is chapter one, battle, 
cutscene, chapter two, battle cut. That's what I want done with this level of production. I don't want Three Houses 2. Because I also think while the multiple routes thing is really cool and it's very well done here, it's definitely much, much better done than in Fates. And I think you should play at least two routes of Three Houses because it feels like the game is built that you... At least in Black Eagles, I don't think if you didn't play both routes, you would not feel like you got a full experience. Mm -hmm. Because at least the the first Black Eagles route I did feels kind of unfinished. The other one feels a lot more fully fleshed out, but I'm glad I have the context of the other one. So you should play that. But I also kind of just want to game this one story that goes A to B and like finishes its story and doesn't have all these branching points because like, you know, that's kind of like uh, Fire Emblem Echoes, which was the remake of Gaiden coming after Fates was such a breath of fresh air of like, okay, it's not three games, it's one focused, right. nice experience. Um, I think that's what we need next. And I don't know if they'll do that. Obviously, people like a lot of the social stuff in this. I just think it's too goddamn much. And, you know, the core part of Fire Emblem is still as good as it's ever been. But increasingly in Three Houses, you have to dig through a lot of stuff to get there. Yeah, that's unfortunate because it kind of sounds like it's... The game ended up being what was one of my worries when we talked about it last time on this podcast, where when you were still in the early phases and we kind of talked about, does it feel like it's diluting the combat stuff or does it feel like those two elements aren't always like in sync because you have to spend, you know, because the combat stuff is so involved in Fire Emblem compared to like a Persona where, you know, going through a momentous run in Persona 5 is like 15 minutes and each kind of like individual turn-based fight is like a minute or maybe even shorter than that. Like, you know, you get it in such quick bursts, whereas Fire Emblem's so involved that I feel like balancing those two things is really hard. And it, and it is, it's a bummer to to find out that they don't ever, like, fully put the screws on the player and say, like, hey, you know that, like, this big thing we gave you at the beginning of all these, like, characters and this big social environment and the the monastery and you being a teacher and having tea time and fishing and all those things... That you loved and you had this great time with. Well, after like 15 hours or whatever it is, we're just going to yank all that shit away from you. Because when video games are willing to just like take everything from the player, like that's oftentimes when they're the most interesting. Uh-huh. And yeah, one thing like is one game, as you were talking about Fire Emblem Three Houses, like it made me think about um, Red Dead Redemption 2, which has like all that camp stuff in this full big camp system that for a big chunk, like the beginning of the whole massive chunk of that game is really important and it's a huge focal point for what you're doing and at a certain point all that shit falls apart because in the story it no longer makes sense that that camp is operating the way it had been up till that point and that's the kind of thing that i kind of was hoping that fire Emblem three houses would do is that once things fall apart all the happy fun time stuff and the months and like all that just kind of gets ripped away from you because now you are in the middle of a war. This isn't like some weird peace treaty between these three kingdoms where you're going taking care of bandits. Now you're like, you're, you're in a pitched war against three different factions. Exactly. And I think, I stand by what I said on the last podcast. I think in the first half of the game, it yeah. works. Because it's, it's not as rich as a persona, but it's just rich enough for what it needs to do in that first half of the game. It's fine. It works. I think it's a good scaffolding to help you get into the world because also the battles you're doing are not as pitched as normal Fire Emblem battles for obvious reasons. You're not in an open war. So it all makes sense. The second half just needed to have the balls Mm -hmm. to let go of some things, you know? Um, Like it also kind of makes me think of... This is weird because Dragon Quest XI is a game that does this really phenomenally... And then less so in the epilogue. Yeah. But like the the there's a half of Dragon Quest XI where they totally do the rip things away from you. And it's phenomenal. Yeah. And then the epilogue does... It's not as bad as Fire Emblem, but it does a little too much of like giving things back to you. And kind of diluting it a little bit. Um, and that, that game's kind of an interesting case study in that. Where like the, the part that rips it away from you does it as well as any game I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, Red Dead Redemption 2 is a great example. Persona 5 with um, Akechi. Yeah. We've said many times is... is Brilliant in what it does there. Absolutely brilliant in that it is actively fucking with the player. Yeah. Fire Emblem needed to fuck with the player a little more. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I've said this last time. A lot of Three Houses is clearly evolved versions of what they were experimenting with in Echoes, the last 3DS game. And ultimately, I think Echoes 
It's the better game for a couple of reasons, in part because I also just think the combat throughout is tighter and harder and better. Um, it's a little inconsistent in Three Houses. Uh, I also probably like the Echo story more, if for no other reason than it is one A to B story. Right. But also, Echoes has a lot of smaller versions of this, but they're smaller versions, and they feel like they're, they're correctly proportioned to the game. The extra stuff in Three Houses, especially in the second half, is just not correctly proportioned to the game. So, I don't know. It's Here's the thing. It's probably my favorite game I've played so far this year. Mm-hmm. This has not been a particularly extraordinary year for games yet. I, I don't think either of us would say, right? I mean, I've got, I've got a couple of really good... Like, Judgment is very yeah. good. Dragon Quest Builders 2 is very good. Exactly. But, but I'm just saying, like, it's not 2017 where it's like, no, holy yeah. crap, we've got 15 of those. Right, yeah. We've got two or three. It's, it's more like a 2015 where we have, yeah. like, Witcher 3 and Bloodborne and Batman Arkham Knight and those are the three that mattered in 2015. Right, yeah. You know? Um... Yeah, so that's kind of my thought at this point. It, it's If you have a Switch, there's no reason you shouldn't get Fire Emblem Three Houses. Because also a lot of stuff I'm saying, you can mitigate it. And I think a lot of people who care less about this kind of game mechanics meeting story, which we love and talk about a lot, there's some people who don't care about that. Yeah, like, this, yeah, because like for me, when you say, well, you can just skip through that month thing, I'm just like, I would never do I just yeah. like physically could never just be, oh, I'll just skip this month. It's like skipping a cutscene that you haven't like fully seen. Even if you know this is going to be a dumb cutscene that doesn't present anything useful, it's like a cutscene in Gears of War or yeah. something, I, would, I could never do it. I can't skip it even if I know it's bad. Yeah, so... If you have a Switch, get Fire Emblem Three Houses. I guess the most damning thing I could say, though, is that 20 hours into the game, I would have said buy a Switch for Fire Emblem Three Houses. 70 hours in, I would say if you want to play Fire Emblem really bad, I would probably still go grab a 2DS for $50 and play Awakening or Echoes. Interesting, yeah. So, And then, and then good... I'll say uh, go read Romance of the Three Kingdoms, you know, as I'll beat Absolutely. that drum again. If you, if you want a story about three different houses fighting each other and starting out kind of being allied uh, early on and then they all have to compete over the whoever can ascend to the throne, Romance of Three Kingdoms, that's where you want to go. Sean, did you know there's a Dynasty Warriors Gundam series? Oh yeah, no, I've played the shit out of Dynasty Warriors Gundam 3. Yeah, yeah how did no one ever tell me about that? I found it out I'm the other day. I'm pretty sure I mentioned it on a okay. podcast. In like 2016, you probably did. <laughs> it's been a while. So three is the one you want to get. Um, yes, that's the one because that's what I think. I, this is the story I've told on the podcast, but that's I um, played a lot of that game when I was on my dad's elliptical machine, and I plugged my Xbox into a TV up there, and nice. it was a good like workout game because it was a lot of me just like running around in the new Gundam, fucking shit up. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you can tell where my head's at. Yes. Yeah. This is also I've got to say. All the Gundam series I've seen are so good at wartime storytelling. Uh-huh. Fire Emblem is also very good at it. It's just not Gundam good at it. And sometimes it's like, it is unfair. To, it is actively unfair to Fire Emblem to hold it up to that standard. But once in a while I will switch between three houses and I'm like, that's just not good military strategy, Sedith. I'm sorry. You, you're not going to take over Enbar that way. You don't have the man. You need a better mobile suit. It's like, did, did, have you not seen the Battle of Abawaku? Like, did you not see how the Federation took Solomon? What are you doing? I think we need an Operation Maelstrom here, where you surround them like a whirlpool. Exactly. All right, you can tell where our head is at. Anything else you want to tell the people this week on the podcast, Sean? Um, you know, I'm still I'm plugging through Dragon Quest Builders Two. I don't have anything really new. I'm, I'm in the middle of the third island of that game. Uh, it's awesome. I love it. I don't have anything new to add. Eventually, I'll probably like wait until I finish that game and then yeah. bring it back to the podcast and talk a lot about it then. And I'm going to get back into it soon so we yeah. can have kind of a... We meet back in the middle on Dragon Quest Builders yeah. 2. I spent a lot of time on the Isle of Awakening after the second. Because uh, I would also recommend for people, um, don't do a lot of stuff on the Isle of Awakening until you have done the second island. If people have not gotten that far yet because... There's a couple of things you get on the second island that just like if you have started building stuff before that point, there's like types of blocks and things you can't break until you get some items from the second island. So don't don't invest a lot into building on the Isle of Awakening until you at least get there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, after that, I spent a lot of time on the Isle of Awakening making like a cool restaurant for my people mm-hmm. and a big swing and really nice bathrooms and everything. It's nice. It's a good game. Awesome. I also just want to really quickly go through, while I don't think 2019 has been an extraordinary year for games yet, I just want to go through everything I have pre-ordered right now. Oh yeah, there's a lot coming up in the next few months for sure. Yeah, okay. Um, This is not in release order, just in order I have on my best buy list. 
Pokemon Sword and Shield in November. Yep. I still think those games look fucking great and people are weird. Um, they just released that, that recent trailer that had a lot of cool stuff. Um, if you like Dragon Quest Builders, Dragon Quest XI S is coming out November 29th. Uh, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Um, let's see. Cyberpunk and Final Fantasy are next year, but Doom Eternal is this year. Oh, fucking yeah, it is. Doom Eternal is this year, and it's the same week as Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Yes, it is. Which looks good. I don't know how I'm going to make that choice, but whatever. Luigi's Mansion 3 is coming out on Halloween, which seems awesome. And that game looks better than it should be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, honestly, the game I might... In a weird way, be most excited to play through the end of this year because it's the biggest. It's the only like new IP on this list that I have, at least, is Astral Chain, which is coming out August thirtieth on Switch. It's basically the Near Automata team minus Yoko Taro. Yeah, but obviously Yoko Taro, while he is, we talk about him a lot. There's a lot of other talented people who made Near Automata, and if you like the combat in the world of that game, it's these same people basically. It's the it's the director of that game. Yeah. Um, and it has been getting a lot of previews because clearly Platinum is very invested in this. And like to a person, people are like, look out for Astral Chain. This looks fucking amazing. And I have I finally broke down and pre-ordered that because I just wasn't sure if it was like my genre and everything. But that game looks really cool. It's August 30th. It's a Switch exclusive, which is crazy because it looks kind of like a PS4 game. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'm really excited for. Are there any others through the end of the year? Yeah, like in the next couple of weeks, you have um, Control, which is the new Remedy game. Um, that's been at a couple of E3s now. That seems like that's probably going to be very cool. Um, and then also... The Outer Worlds, not Outer Wilds, The Outer Worlds, which is the sort of Fallout, modern fallout E kind of game from Obsidian. That's also coming out, I think, early September. I'll probably check that out. September is such a crunch. Yeah, there's a lot There's a lot of shit coming out in the next few weeks. Outer Worlds also, they just announced, is coming to Switch. Yes, it is, yeah. Which is crazy, and, and I don't, with Obsidian, we'll see. But yes, yeah, don't, yeah, that would definitely not be. Do not pre-order the Switch version of that game. That is a wait for the Digital Foundry video game. Exactly. Wait and find out. Like, is the frame rate just going to explode? <laughs> like, how is this game going to run on this thing? Indeed. But yeah, I mean, I'm very excited for the second half of the year in video games, uh, even if it's been a little slow. Obviously, some gems and Fire Emblem Three Houses is only to me a relative disappointment. It is still honestly a great game, and I have no compunctions about recommending you pay sixty dollars for it because. Again, 70 hours and I've got more to play. So Yeah, yeah, because also if it is a game that you really mm-hmm. fall in love with, there's a lot of game there to play. Maybe too much, <laughs> but a lot of game. All right, well, I think that's it for this week. We'll see you later. We'll be back next week with, at the very least, another episode of Weekly Suit Gundam, which you can subscribe to now on Spotify and everywhere else. And it'll be in this feed as well. Uh, so there you go. Rate, review. Click the like button. We don't have a like. This is a podcast. We don't have a like button. I don't know. Click the like button in your mind. Yeah. You know, like us. Click, Click the like button for your partner. You know, don't yeah. don't leave them hanging. Exactly. <laughs> and and Jonathan, I think we we need to go see the Tears of Time.